Welcome to the Sale Street Podcast. We hope you enjoyed this week's message. And for more information about our church, visit salestreet.org. Acts 5, 12 through 42. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's Canade. No one else dared to join them, even though they were highly regarded by the people. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing their sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. Then the high priest and all his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to, jail, to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jails, the official did not find them. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked with the guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts and are teaching the people. At this, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this man's name, he said. Yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his right hand as prince and savior, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men to be put outside for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, Men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do to these men. Some time ago, Thaddeus appeared claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and all his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone. Let them go, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. 
They called the apostles in and had them flogged. Then they ordered them not to speak of the name of Jesus and let them go. The apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that is Jesus the Messiah. Let's pray. Jesus, you are incredibly good and far beyond our comprehension. You bring joy to our dark places and you release us from the prisons that we put ourselves into. I thank you for everyone here and I pray that you'll help us to know just how great and wide and deep your love is because it is beyond our comprehension. You are wonderful and glorious and perfect. Thank you. Amen. Isn't Jesus awesome? He is awesome. But I and my strength and you and yours, we're, we're not as awesome, right? I don't know about you, but I've been feeling weary these last days. Y'all might recall we had this hurricane action a little while back, and, and it's just exhausting. And I just know I've been feeling, in fact, I prayed today I wouldn't, I wouldn't cry. Uh, that's what I asked our crew, because I, I, I just know that my my string runs short, right? I don't have enough oomph to carry the day, and you don't either. Now, you might be strong. Some of you guys I know are super strong. If I had impossible tasks to come, there's a few men in this room, and women probably, I would ask to come with me, but I don't have enough. But I know that when I get like this, I need to get close to God. And one of the things that, that has been such a powerful encouragement in my life is when I, when I felt, uh, you know, little shadows coming in, that God has allowed me to, to be an encouragement to others in Christ, right? To, he gave us that mission to go and make disciples, Matthew 28. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you. And whenever I get the shot to be a part of bringing someone else down the field with Jesus, my heart just gets energized and my soul gets reminded that my life is not my own. My energy is not the end of my capacity, right? I'm connected to the God of heaven and his life inside of the people who, who trust in him. That's our hope. Can I get an amen on that one? That's our hope for nothing, for everything. And so we're going to continue our, our, it's Palm Sunday, by the way, in case you didn't know, Jesus entered Jerusalem today. And this story in Acts is the continuation of the work of Jesus. And we are in the middle of it. And our hope today is that, that at the end, we would know that our response to G one of our responses to Jesus' resurrection includes our joyful obedience to go and tell, whether times are in harmonious community or in withering opposition. So Acts 5, thank you to my, my daughter Rebecca for, um, forgive me, for reading that today. And we are in the middle of that. So the apostles are begin this in that harmonious community, right? We read that the apostles perform these signs and wonders and all the believers met together in Solomon's colonnade and no one else dared join them because they were highly regarded. Nevertheless, more and more men and women believed in the Lord and were added to their number. That's what I'm talking about. That's the encouragement that I know that my soul needs when I'm a little bit lost or discombobulated that God wants to move us towards looking to like Jesus. Whether you already know him or whether you don't, that's still his goal for us to move towards him. And that encourages my soul. So that's what they were doing. 
As a result, people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. And crowds gathered from the towns, bringing their sick and those tormented with spirits, and all of them were healed. Man, the apostles performed these wonders. And that's one of the things, one of the, Lucas likes to talk about this a lot, but uh, that going through books of the Bible means you can't skip over things that maybe you aren't on the tip of your tongue, right? So we're going to, we have these right here. They perform these signs and wonders and all these, uh, the believers, they had been meeting in the public square. Solomon's colonnade, that's like the temple courts outside of the temple. It was big enough to hold quite a few people. There was a lot of Christians by then, right? At least 5,000 men, it says. That's quite a few, more than we could fit in this room comfortably. Although if we had 5,000 here on a Sunday, we'd figure something out. I don't know what we do. We'd improvise, adapt, overcome, all that kind of jazz. And they had heard, and they had heard that there was this, this, supernatural thing going on with Jesus and, and the apostles and so people brought sick and and here in, in these these apostles are performing these signs and they help people come to know the Lord uh, uh, one of our preacher team Andrew shared a talk with us this week by John Piper and he cataloged at least 17 times in the book of Acts where these signs and wonders took place and it helped people come to Christ come to faith in Christ you know for example you had the Philippian jailer in Acts 16 that's just one guy uh, and then you have Pentecost where 3,000 were added to their number. Or we read a few weeks ago, the next day, Peter's first sermon, 2,000 more added to their number. And there are more. And, and in today's passage, just before today's passage, rather, two weeks ago, I think we preached on this, in, in Acts chapter 4, verse 30, uh, the apostles pray together, right? They had had their first encounter with the Sadducees, and they come back and pray. And he says, now, Lord, consider their threats and enable your servants to speak your word with great boldness. Stretch out your hand and heal and perform signs and wonders through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. And after they prayed, the place where they were meeting was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. Now, the church led by the apostles was meeting together and praying. And yes, they prayed for boldness to speak God's word. Amen to that boldness Ephesians 6 19 pray that I may declare the gospel fearlessly as I should and they pray that God would stretch out his hand and perform signs to help people see Jesus more clearly and yes one of the one of the reasons they prayed is that people would come to Christ and and Andrew shared uh this sermon as I was telling you and it got me to thinking what is it that saves people because you and I have all met folks and they've they said well if I could see a miracle well then I would I would believe and we're kind of wondering what should we make of that what does the bible have to say about that so we're going to spend a few minutes looking at what the bible has to say about that question and i think it's going to be super encouraging for us today and um so i want to go to romans 1 16 when in doubt about theology just go to romans you know it's super valuable and paul starts in the beginning goes for i am not ashamed of the gospel of jesus christ there is a power of god that brings salvation for everyone who believes first to the jew and then for the Gentile. The gospel is not, uh, not just a, a, a theoretical construct. It's the power of God for people to believe. And I think as we start thinking about what, well, what helped these people come to Christ, well, that's one of them. What, what holds back people from believing? That's another good question, don't you think? What's holding someone back? Well, I can use my wisdom or I can go to God. Well, let's look at 2 Corinthians 4.4. 4. Same guy, the Apostle Paul is writing to another church in Corinth, and he says, that he, he, he's telling them that the God of this age, who's that, by the way, God of this age? That's not the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. That's his opponent, right? The enemy. His name is Satan, it says. 
the God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers so that they cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ who is the image of God. If you want to memorize a verse this week, I encourage you maybe consider this one to put on your hearts. That, that, that the, the goal, the unveiling, right, where it says in, in the Romans what we just read that everyone, the power of the gospel is to bring salvation to everyone who believes. And that's a big word, everyone. That's joyful, right? Everyone, your neighbor, your friend, your cousin, your dad, your mom, my brother, my family, them. The God of this age has blinded the minds of unbelievers, but the power of God is the gospel that unveils. And so the, if, if someone's blinded, they can't see the glory of the this glory of Christ who is the image of God. And that's the, that's the super sad part. And this, my friends and brothers and sisters, is a spiritual battle. We are engaged in the, a battle for the hearts of men, and it is no joke. And it's when people cannot see the light of the gospel that displays the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, that they stay in unbelief. And we don't want that. And God doesn't want that, and he is planning it out for everyone to have the opportunity to see. Paul writes again in 1 Corinthians, a first letter, he says, Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, right? We have that in our world today. People want to see something spectacular or they want to know everything before they believe. That's, that, that's true. That, he's telling us this is how people work. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles. But to them who, those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ is the power and the wisdom of God. Want power? You want power? Well, Christ crucified and risen from the grave. That's our power. Want wisdom? Christ crucified and risen from the grave. Want an excuse to keep on believing? Well, then demand a sign. Demand a miracle. Demand God jump when you holler. And that's, that's why the Jews demanded a sign. They wanted a roadblock. They didn't want to, to come forward, at least those. But we know it wasn't all of them, right? Because we saw that, just we talked about, 3,000 were added on the day of Pentecost, 5,000 5, total at Peter's first time. God's ready. He's, he's opening up for everyone who wants to come to Christ. Parenthetically, I, I love using this when we're talking about uh, signs and wonders that the uh, Israelites, if you happen to know your Bible stuff or you watch the Prince of Egypt on Disney, you'll see that e uh, uh, Pharaoh and Moses were having this kind of spiritual battle and they had signs and wonders going on. The Pharaoh had some signs that he did and, and Moses had signs that God performed through him, the plagues. And then ultimately we had the parting of the Red Sea and the Israelites went through and, and Pharaoh changed his mind and chased him down with his army, pretty bad army. I would be scared if Pharaoh was chasing me down in his army. God provided a way for the Israelites to go through and then he closed the waters and the Israelite army, the, excuse me, the Egyptian army, I said that backwards, got destroyed right in front of them. And then he, he led them by fire and pillar and he was, had, they were gathered by Mount Sinai just a couple months later and after all those manifest wonders, and these were millions of people, right, a lot. We don't know exactly how many, but it was a bunch. And they all saw all these plagues and miracles and signs in the Red Sea. They walked right through it, and two months later, what are they doing? Well, we don't happen to your God. Why don't you make us a calf, Aaron? And, and that's what they did. Unbelievable, world-changing miracles they saw, and it didn't do it. It wasn't enough. So when our unbelieving heart says, I got to see a sign. You know what? That's a sign that I really want to stay closed. Now, if God has in his mercy to open one up, well, great. But it, 
Jesus spoke about signs and wonders too. In Matthew 24, he says, at that time, if any, he's talking to people saying, he's warning his disciples that people are going to come later. False teachers are going to say, Messiah is here. Come see the secret knowledge. And he's, he's giving them a warning. At that time, if anyone says to you, look, Messiah is here, or there he is, do not believe it. For false messiahs and false prophets will appear and perform great signs and wonders to deceive, if possible, even the elect. See, I have told you ahead of time. So one of the reasons he's warning us is because Signs and wonders don't only come from God. They're not always in evidence that God's the one. So we've got to get attached to truth, the power of God, the gospel. Jesus is the logos, the word, the truth, and the life. So I, if I just follow a sign, I could get led astray. God doesn't want that. Uh, Apostle Paul, he keeps going to the church in Thessalonica. He says, the coming of the lawless one will be in accordance with how Satan works. He will use all sorts of displays of power through signs and wonders that serve the lie and all the ways that wickedness deceives those who are perishing. They perish because they refuse to love the truth and so be saved. And therein lies this power of the gospel. Jesus came. He is truth. And he has the power to save. He is wanting us to come to him. And if we refuse to love the truth, well, then we're, we're, in, we're in for a hurt. We're in for some hurt. And that, that's not good. Later in Acts, God provides us another clarity on signs. Paul and Barnabas went to the city in Iconium in Asia Minor, and they shared Jesus there. And he, they say to that church, or the, the description in Acts 14.3 is that, the, so they remained there for a long time, speaking boldly for the Lord, who bore witness to the word of his grace, granting signs and wonders to be done by their hands. And there's a lot of words there, you know, we know from the uh, first part of our Acts study, Acts 1-8, that we were called to be, he, Jesus told the apostles, go, wait for me, you will receive power, and then from the Holy Spirit coming, then you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. And here Paul is, he, they're doing that, right? Paul and Barnabas are going out, they're going around the Mediterranean world, all the known world. They're here in this city of Iconium, they're there a long time, and they, they speak boldly for the Lord. And they, in the, the, it says, who bore witness? Who bore witness? The Lord. The Lord bore witness to the word of the Lord's grace. What's the word of the Lord's grace? It's, it's Jesus Christ. Come. It's by grace you're saved through faith. That's, that's the word of his grace. He's sharing the word. How do you get saved? How do you come out of darkness? It's, it's by the gospel. And Paul and, Bar Paul and Barnabas are there at this city, speaking boldly, and God gave a witness to the apostles' witness. So the sign and wonder was a witness to help the apostles' witness. It didn't substitute it. It didn't supplant it. It was a witness to it because it's not the sign that saves. It's the word of God. It's the gospel that saves. Man, signs and wonders are not a substitute for going and telling the good news of Jesus. No, they're a witness from God to the witness of the believer, us sharing the good news of Jesus. Can I get a witness? Right on, right on. I'm going to dance later too. You saw that kind of right there. I have four girls in my house who I've learned to curtsy a little bit, you know. Proclaiming the gospel of Jesus from the word of God is sufficient to save sinners. That's the sufficiency of God. So we, we see here that the apostles... Uh, we're to go and tell when times of, of beautiful harmony, that's what they had in the beginning of this part of the verse. 
And then in times of withering oppression, right? So here we go. Verse 17 in Acts 5. Then the high priest and his associates, who were all members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. And during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go and stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell the people about this new life. And at daybreak, they entered the temple courts, as they had been told, and began to teach the people. So here we see that sin yields perverse results. The sinfulness of the leaders, they, they, didn't, they didn't know Christ yet, so they're still in their sin. The, the temple leaders, the uh, high priest, uh, they saw the apostles healing and were jealous. Now they were charged, the temple leaders were, with the care, the spiritual care of the people. They should have been happy, right? Instead, it was centered on their power and their their wants and their jealousy. And instead of caring for the flock that they were entrusted with, they were jealous of others' ministry success, jealous of their power being threatened, jealous of the attention from other people, right? They wanted their proper respect. Don't we all? I mean, we all want respect, and that's, that's a normal part of life. But when I make something else above following God, above his commands to love my neighbor and all that stuff, I'm going to get perverse results. Sin shifts everything around, discombobulates it. Oh, man, they were stealing the show, and the, the high priest didn't want that. And don't forget, this is the apostles' second trip up to see the Pharisees and Sadducees and the Sanhedrin. In chapter 4, two weeks ago, Peter and John were there because they had healed a well-known 40-year-old crippled beggar. Everyone saw it. And they were trying, how did this name happen? Well, Peter told them it was through Jesus. And uh, they hauled him up there, and they commanded them not to talk in this name anymore. Do you think that they expected them to follow that command? I, I don't think they did. But maybe they were hoping, you know, maybe they'd scare them enough. But they didn't have enough power. The Sadducee, the, the Sanhedrin didn't have enough power. They had enough power to arrest the apostles and put them in the public jail, but not enough power to keep them there. Right? God intervened and miraculously sent this angel to, of the Lord to open the doors and brought them out. And he reminded them of their mission. What was their mission? To go and tell the people about this new life. And meanwhile, the high priest is still playing catch-up, right? They show up to have their little meeting in the morning. And verse 21 in Acts 5, we're still there. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and they sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find him there. Oh, my. So they went back and reported. We found the jail securely locked and the doors and the guards standing there. But when we opened the doors, we found no one inside. On hearing of the report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what they might do. And the chief priest, uh, accustomed to being in control, was now not in control. And I tell you what, opposing God has that kind of effect on us, doesn't it? When we oppose God, we'll find ourselves wanting control and it eludes us because he's, his agenda, his plans are not ours, and opposing God is bad news. We're going to see Gamaliel agree with that later. Uh, verse 25, then someone came and said, look, the men you put in jail are standing out in the temple courts teaching the people. Go and tell, they were told. At that, the captain went and his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that the people would stone them. So the people are catching on, as we've already seen, right? Thousands of people in Jerusalem had come to Christ in these uh, weeks, between the resurrection of the Holy Spirit coming in today and, and the temple guard, they're kind of, even their physical power of going and seizing these men was maybe in jeopardy, right? So they're kind of 
concerned about that. And they bring him back in, and the apostles probably want to go. Hey, man, we'll tell the court about Jesus again. Well, maybe the second time will be the charm, right? So the apostles, verse 27, were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin and questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in this name, he said, and yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Now, I just couldn't help but come up with the old trite expression, you know, Denial ain't just a river in Egypt, right? These guys are in so much denial. They, they did just commission Jesus to be sentenced to death only a few weeks, months back. And here they are going, they, they can't even see that the forest and the trees, they can't tell either of them right now. They are so disoriented. And they just know that their power, their situation, their, what are they accustomed to? And they may have had, they may have justified some kind of good motive, right? Like they, they did when they were, talking about crucifying him. Well, they're going to take, the Romans will take away our place and our people if we don't do this. Uh, and God's, he's one step ahead, we know. But they, they're, they can't see what's going on. They had issued this no witnessing law to Peter in, John chap, in Acts chapter 4. And uh, Peter and the other apostles replied to them. How did they respond to the no witnessing law? Well, they said in verse 29, Peter and the other apostles replied, we must obey God rather than human beings. God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead. Can I get an amen right there? And you killed him by hanging him on the cross. But God, but God, it doesn't say but God. I just added that in there. Part. God exalted him to his own right hand as prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. And we are witnesses of these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Look at their commitment and focus, right? In the middle of withering oppression, they're in jail. People who could definitely do them harm, they saw what happened to Christ. But the Holy Spirit's come down. Jesus said, you'll receive power. You'll be my witnesses. And that's what they're doing. That's what they're doing. That's what they're calling us to do. That's what God calls us to do. We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead who you killed. And we are his witnesses they witness this, and so the Holy Spirit, who God gives to those who, who follow Jesus, and they go out and tell about Jesus. Um, I'm so drawn to this kind of, this theme. I just, immediately when I read this, I thought about 2 Corinthians 5.15. My first sermon I think I gave was on this top, on this scripture. And it says, for Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all, and therefore all died, and he died for all, that those who live, so if you're in Christ, you've come to faith in Christ, that's you, that those who live would no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised to life again. Yes! Not everyone is with us on this, but we're going to go tell them anyway. We're going to go and we're going to tell. And then the chief priests have their reaction. We're going to read the whole thing, but it says they were furious and they wanted to put them to death. What, we've heard this before, right? A few months back, right? Jesus, wanted, they put him to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of law, was honored by the people. He got up and, and he asked the men to be put outside and he reasoned with them. And he basically, I won't read the whole section. Rebecca did such a good job reading earlier for us. But he said, other, other people have risen up and they've gathered a little following, right? Any of us can do that. If you've if you, you got enough oomph with you, you'll gather up and get your little following. And, and if God's with it, can you stop it? That's what Gamaliel said. But if God's not with it, it'll all fade away pretty quickly. No need to 
put the, punish these men right now. Just be careful. Just wait a little while. And if it's, if it's not of God, it'll fade away. And he gave two examples of people who rose up, wasn't of God, and it faded out. And it seems like the key point that he was issuing is that God will work out his will. If it's God, you back in the move, it's going to happen. And that's good news for us. Because if we are convinced, like he, uh, 2 Corinthians 5.15 said, I'm compelled because I'm convinced that one died for all. Jesus died and he rose to life again. Boom. So verse 40, it says, his speech persuaded them, Gamaliel's speech, and they called the apostles and had them flogged. Now he just said one little word, just had them flogged, and we just passed that by. I mean, this would be a major problem. We'd have a spectacle here in this city if we hauled Philip Tarver down and had him flogged because he was proclaiming Jesus over at his business. Or, holy mackerel, that would be terrible. It was bad. Flogged, beating, striking, whipping. Woo! But how did the apostles respond? It says they left the Sanhedrin rejoicing. Oh, well, I, I skipped a part. They, they laid down their anti-witnessing law again. His speech persuaded them. They had the apostles in, called in and had them flogged. And then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. And then they let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. You got to wonder if, this is just our kind of conjecture a little bit, but you got to wonder if they were, you know, remembering how they they didn't back Jesus on the day. Now, he didn't want them to, right? Because he knew that the time wasn't there. He, he didn't want them to armly resist when they came to arrest him, I don't think. Um, but Jesus told them what uh, re- saw suffering coming. So in Luke chapter 6, verse 22, he's telling his followers, Blessed are you when people hate you, and when they exclude you and insult you, and they reject your name as evil, not because you did bad, no, no, because of the Son of Man. If we get said bad things about us or even flogged like the apostles were because of the name of Jesus, it says we're blessed. Uh, Peter instructed the church the same way. Again, Peter, this is the guy who got flogged right here, right? He writes to the church later in one of his letters, and he says, uh, 1 Peter four thirteen. he says, But rejoice inasmuch as you participate in the sufferings of Christ so that you may be overjoyed when his glory is revealed. Mm. Oh, do we want to suffer for his name? I, I'm not just reaching out for sufferings, but I tell you what, if we go and tell and good news spreads out and we get opposition, praise be to the Lord. He, his name is worth it. My friends um, who don't know Christ, they're worth it. Your friends who don't know Christ yet, they're worth it. They're worth it. So I love this concluding passage in verse 42 of chapter 5 it says day after day in the temple courts and from house to house they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah there's something different about these apostles now they they ran away from Golgotha when Jesus was crucified they were scared they they didn't have what they thought they had, Jesus said, I mean, Peter said he'd never deny Christ, and yet he did. And today, now they, they've seen something, right? They witnessed Jesus alive after he'd been crushed to death. That's not a small thing. All through this passage, you see him talk about that. Why is that so central? Because everything in human history hangs on that. The blood-stained cross and the empty tomb are our hope for today our hope for tomorrow. It's our hope to have a message to go and tell that will bring not just some good news of hope 
like, hey, I hope you get your bills paid. I hope your insurance company pays your claim on time. I hope your child comes back from rebellion. No, that, those are all good things. I mean, we, we, we all need them, right? I was talking this morning when I came up here, I feel weary and, you know, just longing for all this extra to finish <laughs> so I can not just be pressing all the time. And, but that's temporary. It's, it says right here that the temple courts, right, that's, that's at church in the public square and from house to house, if we, we teach one another, our, each other and our friends who aren't here today, maybe the friends you're going to invite to church next week. It's Easter Sunday, right, next week. It's a good week to, to ask people, hey, man, why don't you come hang out with me? You want to talk about something fun? They never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is alive. Mm. Go and tell. That's my encouragement to us this week, beloved, is that uh, we would be a people who knows that uh, Justin and them could come on up, I'm, I'm done, that we belong to him. It's, uh, I love that first, Second Corinthians 5 verse that, for the love of Christ compels us because we are convinced that one died for all. That's Easter, right? All through the scripture, the gospel is here. It's the power to save people that one died for all and therefore all died, that those who live. So he's not just talking about body life, although body life's good. He's talking about soul life, that those who live would no longer just live for themselves. And, and uh, you know, if I think about my, so much in my day, may, maybe some of it's just for me, right? My stuff, my fixing, my repairs, my worries, my but it's for him who died for them and was raised to life again that's Christ Christ is mine forevermore I believe it's a song we're about to sing and I just just implore you this week to join me on my knees in prayer asking God to remind my heart how great he is, how great is his love for you and me, that his, his name is the valuable currency of forever, that he will not ever run his account overdrawn. He will never back away from his commitment like an insurance adjuster. Second one comes in, tells you they're going to do the third one, forgets what the second one does, then we're all stuck here. God, he does not ever back away from his commitments. And he's made it the most plain for all of eternity when he hung his son on the cross and he took our place, took our lashes. The apostles got a little taste of it, right, with their flogging, which is bad. I don't want a flogging. But if I get flogged for the name of Christ, well, I'll join them and celebrate. I would be counted worthy of suffering for the name. His name is going to last forever you don't know Christ today I just implore you to to get to know him Uh, we'll be here and God never fails Father in heaven as we sing this song I ask you to show the church today those who are here who know Christ that Christ is ours forevermore and as we sing this song poem to close I, I just pray you'd 
Help us to see Jesus more clearly today, to fall in love with you more clearly today, to see the word and let our faith be built today as we sing to each other that Christ is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. If anyone here in the sound of my voice or on our Facebook doesn't know you, uh, I pray they would know that the welcome mat of heaven is right here. It's, it's in the gospel. It's in the words of Christ that God came to seek and save that which was lost. And if anyone wants to come to him, I pray you do what you did with me and give us encouragement to take a step towards you. You're close. You're super close. Christ is mine forevermore.